Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's another edition, edition 17, I actually counted, of the Doyle and Derek podcast. 17? the 17th show that we've done. Wow, it, it feels like 50. Time flies by when you're having fun. That's yeah, what it is. Right. Uh, alongside the big star of the show, Greg Doyle, Indy Star Sports Comnus. I'm Derek Schultz, afternoons on Fox Sports 1260. And we had joked last week during our Thanksgiving show that we were hoping to come back with you here on Tuesday, which is where we always tape it. On the uh, at the Indy Star headquarters and have a win to talk about and unfortunately, Greg, some more of the same. We'll have more to get to besides just the Colts, but um, I think basically what Sunday was was the punctuation mark in a bad way on what is probably the end of the 2019 season, at least as far as the postseason hopes are concerned for the Colts. It everything has to go just right for this team for them to get in. And nothing's gone right, and nothing's gone right for them for a month. Now, granted, your luck can turn and all that, but they're just—they're so injured, and they're not very good. So injured, and and I think you were saying it all along. Their five and two record was not quite smoke and mirrors, but they're a bunch of close games. And let's be very honest: the NFL and the NBA are the exact same thing this year. There are two or three or four really good teams. There are two, or three, or four just terrible teams, and then everybody else just kind of stinks. Mm-hmm. And and who's gonna on a given day? stink less and the Colts stunk less and we're five and two and now they've been stinking more and I just they're just there's no good teams around and we're not covering one right now even though I, I mean and we both kind of said on on this show when they were five and two that you know you were excited about it because they were just finding ways to win and, and the flaws were evident then I am surprised are you Greg that I'm just surprised that it unraveled this quickly. Like, I didn't expect it. Really, when they were 5-2, and two, like, I wasn't expecting this team to be a Super Bowl contender or anything like that. But I didn't think that in a month we'd be talking about, oh, well, they're not going to make the playoffs now. I mean, it, it, this dissolved very fast. They lost to the Dolphins. I mean, what, what else is there to yeah. say? You know, they this team can and has and will again probably lose to anybody. But it did fall apart fast. But it, it's so weird how there are certain guys that have – like Vinatieri's cost him a game. Mm-hmm. Ebron's cost him a game. This past weekend, as good as Jacoby was for 15 minutes, he cost him the game, probably. Although Vinatieri didn't help. Vinatieri they they combined. So it's 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 not just it's not so much that they just as a team one through 53 can't compete. It's more just they're not good enough to overcome when that one guy does that one horrible mistake. They're done. That and the injuries, too, I think, played a major factor in, in kind of where they are. I'm not looking to make excuses for the Colts, but, you know, you're down Mack, you're down Hilton. Uh, this roster has gotten better over the past couple of years, but it's not to the point where you can just take Guy off the street and, what is it, Ashton Doolin, and they've got a kid named, I think, Chad Williams on the practice squad. I mean, they're, there are guys that are playing receiver for the Colts right now that if they were walking around the circle, nobody would stop them and have any idea that they played professional football yeah but i got i got two words for you uh ryan Tannehill, right i mean they just lost yeah. to ryan and, and granted he's been winning some games he's still ryan Tannehill. 
I got two more words for you. Pittsburgh Steelers. They just beat the Browns, who have a lot of talent. You're right. A bad coach. Mm-hmm. But they beat the Browns with their third quarterback, a guy named Duck. They beat him without um, Juju Smith-Schuster, who's hurt. They beat him without James Conner, who's hurt. This time of year, everybody's hurt. Are the Colts hurt worse than, than some teams? Yeah, they are. I'm not trying to say they're – but this time of year, they're all hurt. And the guys that have been screwing it up, Jacoby's picks weren't because the receiver was in the wrong spot. It was back, Zach Pascal. He's a terrible pass. Vinatieri is not off the street. He's just missing field goals. Eric Ebron, he just stinks. And then bailed on the team. I don't know if we want, we want to talk about that name, but but he bailed on the Colts. Mm-hmm. This is just factual that he just kind of made a business decision. And, I, and on the one hand, I get it. I mean, I get it. He's he is sore. He's not creating injuries. He his ankles have an issue. But he bailed on the team when they were six and five, and actually tried to bail earlier, but. Just unbelievable. I mean, you you got T.Y. Hilton would literally, literally, if T.Y. Hilton's ankles were hurt, he would say, cut off my ankles. I will run around on my shin nubs and play, and play for you. <laughs> yeah. You got T.Y. Hilton doing that. You got yeah. Eric Ebron saying, I got some boo-boos, and I don't care what a record is. I'm shutting it down. So, mm-hmm. But anyway, the point is, the Colts have been undone, not because Marcus Johnson can't get open, although he's been catching passes. They've been undone by their best players, just been screwing up. Is that best? You're talking about percent? Well, he, yeah, I mean, Brissett, the quarterback, yeah. Brissett, Vinatieri, yeah. Ebron, by and large, yeah, Marcus Hunt let, let a bad – I mean, that was Marcus Hunt that made that mistake that got that, that kick yeah. six. I mean, it was Marcus Hunt. And it was in Cassandra next to him, but it was Hunt. So the guys off the street aren't the ones – Ashton Doolin didn't lose in games for him. Can we uh, tie a bow on the Vinatieri situation? Because now that we've talked about it for so long, clearly there's no – there's no like redemption chapter that's going to be written here. He's going to play out probably the last four games. He'll probably miss, I don't know, three or four more kicks, and then he'll call a retirement press conference, and then we can wax poetic about him being the greatest of all time and, and that whole deal. But we can pretty much end the book now on, on Vinatieri. There's no like magical turnaround for him in the 2019 season, correct? You would think, however, however, he's you know he's bottomed out two or three times this year, mm-hmm. and he's always come back. I mean, didn't he beat? Was it Denver? He beat somebody. Yeah, Denver with a long kick. He missed a kick in that game, but he came back. He and did. Hit, hit the big one, fifty-one, fifty-two yards, something like that. I mean, he is. I, I'm not about to say he is done. Put a fork in him. He'll never do anything important again for this team. He could. But Greg, my point he is, he could if, if he makes a 44-yard game-winning field goal in Jacksonville in Week 17 to get the Colts to eight and eight. Oh right. Okay. Right. Right. You right. Know, right. At, right. At this point in the year, with where the Colts are, can Vinatieri really do anything to redeem himself? Because they're kind of just playing out the string here. Yeah, b- barring something crazy, like you, you know, you can flip a coin ten times, get heads ten times in a row. Weird stuff can happen, but barring something really weird, yes, he's done in that regard. And um, the kick that he missed the other day, the, I'm sorry, the first kick that was blocked, the first mm-hmm. one, that thing, I've studied it. That thing was not going to go through the end zone. I mean, he. He duck hooked it. It was, it was blocked. I mean, I get it. A long field goal, fifty five, no, fifty two, whatever it was, fifty three. The tra- trajectory's low. It's going to get blocked. Maybe it's low, but this was different. This was he duck hooked it low and left, and it was, as I wrote, he was, he was saved the embarrassment of watching that kick die in the end zone because it was bad and die like left, and Ugh. and furthermore, another thing that I'm quoting myself, but I, I don't have any other fret, new ideas. Vinatieri has now become, and he has been, but we, we just all need to get used to it. He is a horror movie that you watch with your hands over your eyes yeah. because I just you just don't know anymore. You just don't, and we haven't known for months. And you never thought that that was ever going to happen with him, right? I mean, he was like the surest of sure things, especially the big kicks, game-tying, oh. game-winning kicks. 
You never worried about Vinatieri. And now I agree with you. Like I, when, when they sent him back out there, I thought the 55-yarder was a mistake because I would take my chances fourth and six rather than have an 800-year-old kicker attempt the 55-yarder. 52-yarder was fourth and 12, so they had no choice. They were kind of in no man's land. But when they trotted him back out there again uh, the third time, that's when I started like m- my stomach felt upset you know what I mean yeah. like you you get nauseous watching him go out there and it sucks I, no one takes any pleasure in that but that's kind of where we are with Vinatieri uh Brissette was he pressing what do you think that it was he, he made some uncharacteristic mistakes do you think that he maybe was overcompensating for playing so scared and timid in Houston the previous game well I want to answer that but first one more thing about Vinatieri yeah that I, Jordan or Tuck Who's the guy for the Ravens? A Jordan Tucker. A Justin Tucker. Sorry. Justin Tucker. Yes. Sorry. Um, he, of course, wins a game. And then this is how fast things change in the NFL. He runs off the field doing – I didn't know what he was doing, but he was like putting one finger on each hand, the index finger, and then tapping his helmet. And I thought, you look like a reindeer. And I thought, oh, are you calling yourself the GOAT? That's what you're doing? Wow. And then afterwards, in the locker room, I saw several interviews on ESPN, of course – they're all calling him the goat. Yeah. He's the goat. He's the goat. He's the goat. Like, wait a minute. I, is Vinatieri so bad this year that we're just going to forget what he was? <laughs> like, he's Vinatieri's the goat. Tucker's on track maybe to be it. But how about this, Tucker? Win, win a Super Bowl. Yeah. Statistically, or, or statistically, Tucker's you know percentage and and all of that is better than Vin- Vinatieri in an all time standpoint from like kick percentage and all of that is is rather low. I think he's like eighth or ninth maybe. Uh, he has all the uh, obviously the the uh, the long time records like uh, most field goals made, most extra points made, most points scored. He's got all that stuff. But I'm talking like just accuracy. Tucker's way up there. How about this? Tucker is right now. He's Mike Trout. He might be the greatest of all mm-hmm. time, but we need to see 15 years and see what numbers you end up with. But Vinatieri's Babe Ruth, and he's about that old. Yeah, I like Tucker's confidence. Oh, it's yeah, not yeah. it's it's not often that you see a, a kicker taunt. So do you know that Tucker is apparently an opera singer? Really? Yeah. Wow. He's an opera. So apparently he's like legit gifted. Legit gifted as an opera. I'm not sure there are any bad opera singers <laughs> out there, but he's legit. So that's, Damn. you learn something new every day. But as far as Brissette goes, I asked him. Of course, he and I had a nice little run in, but I asked him, you know, you were, you were not throwing the ball downfield your last two games. This time you were clearly taking chances. Was that a conscious effort? He goes, no, I was just playing the game. And maybe he was, but I, when you play the way he played the last two weeks, which is check down city. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you're just winging the ball. He played scared the last two weeks, and he wasn't scared at all. Yeah. And it had to be, he had to have told himself going in, "You're doing this." But of course, Jacoby being Jacoby, he's not going to help you out in the interview no. process. He was reckless, I thought, on Sunday. Um, I don't know. It's funny, Greg, because we weigh so much on did the team win the game or lose the game. I actually thought that overall, look, the two interceptions were terrible. I thought he played better when you take into account the first drive. You mentioned the first 15 minutes, really the first quarter of that game. I thought he played better overall in that game than he did against Jacksonville. But they won the game in Jacksonville, and they and they ran for 200 and whatever yards, and the defense dominated, so it makes it look better. You know, the Denver game is a great example. Jacoby was, I thought, really bad for three and three quarters of that game. He made one play, and then everybody the next day is talking about, oh, my God, did you see him avoid Von Miller and hit T.Y. Hilton? And you're like, well, yeah, it was one play, which is a great play. They won the game. But overall, you know, the, the, when they were winning, I think it masked some of his flaws. Because I don't, I don't think he played well in every win this year. And no, I don't think that no. he's necessarily played poorly in every loss. No, but um, he, what he showed yesterday was he showed 
finally some some more of a skill set that you can build on. You know, he didn't show anything in the first two games that we're talking about the Jaguars and Houston. He was a yeah. game manager and needed everybody else to pick him up. This game, he actually tried to win it. I mean, he actually tried to be a game winner in this game, and they lost by 14. Which I'm cool with him being aggressive. I'd rather have aggressive Jacoby than scared Jacoby because the, the other night in Houston was his worst game. He was awful. Well, scared Jacoby is not going to work. I mean, he's yeah. scared Jacoby is not a franchise quarterback. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure aggressive quarterback, aggressive Jacoby is either. I just know scared Jacoby's not. I just think the Colts are at a point here where – I mean, we could keep waiting. They can give themselves as much time as possible to evaluate. Unless something drastically changes, Greg, I, I think Brissett is who he is. You know, this is not some 22-, 23-year-old. He'll be 27 later this month. This is his fourth season. He's got 30-something starts under his belt. If there was something like game-changing special there from Jacoby Brissett, I think we would have seen it. Yeah, and he's got one year left on his contract, but it's not a huge cap hit if they dump him. Mm-hmm. And that seems pretty drastic to be talking this way. But the, but his contract is drawn up in such a way that they're not going to get crushed if they get rid of him. And this quarterback class, I'm no scout, but it seems like there's at least five guys, easy five guys in the first round. Yeah, And the Colts will probably be drafting in you know top 15, 15 or so? 16? Yeah, probably like 15 to 20 range, somewhere in there. Right. Yeah. One of those guys could fall to him, and, and there's reports that Chris Ballard was at Utah State, mm-hmm. and the only reason to beat Utah State, people say, and I wouldn't know this, I'm no Utah State beat writer, but apparently they have a quarterback named Love who's pretty good. Yep. So maybe he's looking that way. So I, it, it, they certainly, certainly it's on the radar. And you were on this earlier than I was. I was, of course, and I've said this to you on the, on, on the show before, <laughs> that I was lashing out more at the people that just struck me as being too anti-Jacoby when the guy had, after eight games, he had 16 TDs and three picks. 16 and 3 mm-hmm. and had thrown for, you know, 1600 yards. You double that, 16 games, that's a season you 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 don't say he sucks. But I had people on Twitter saying he sucks, we got to move on from him. And I rebelled against that cuz that was nonsense. Yeah. And, and I'm not sure what everybody's motivation is to say that about Jacoby. It's this all or nothing thing, Greg. It's just where we are. Either you're great or you're trash, right? right. Uh and it's it's not easy. It's it's the most it's the lamest take ever as a columnist or as a sports talk radio host to say a guy is just okay. But really, that's what he is. I mean, Brissett is what the Colts said he was. They say he's a top 20 quarterback. He's a top 20 quarterback. He's he's somewhere 15 to 20. I'm and not that's, sure 15 to 20 anymore. No, I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not, may, maybe. Maybe. I'm I think sure. with all the bullets in the gun, I think he's a 15 to 20 quarterback. That's fair. With, with Mack, with Hilton, with all. I think we're really underselling how big of a deal it was for them not to have Hilton because he's he's so important. He to spreads the do. field for everybody. Yeah, yeah. And, and Funchess and, you know, the guys that we didn't even really get a look at at all. But um, I'd be surprised if Jacoby Brissett isn't the week one starter in 2020, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's not the week 17 starter in 2020. That's If I had to bet money, I'd go that way too. He'll start week one. We'll see what happens, but they will have another quarterback on roster for sure. Do you grade the season differently because we were let, let's assume that the Colts, I don't know, go eight and eight, nine and seven, whatever they whatever they're gonna go. Um, do you grade the season differently with them missing the playoffs because we were teased into thinking, hey, maybe there's something there at five and two? Or do you still go back to, hey, the preseason expectations for this team are pretty tepid, and if they finish with a winning record, then whatever. It's certainly not an F. Yeah, I'll, I'll I will do the bigger picture look. Yes, I will not I will not allow myself to let to beat them up over their early success because, I mean they they're in that group as I said earlier. There's there's a couple teams that are really good, a couple really bad, and there's everybody else, and they're everybody else. And honestly, when you lose Andrew Luck ten days before your season opener, and you're you're not one of the two or three teams that's just off a cliff, but you're actually everybody else. That's it's not bad. 
and we've seen a bunch of young players look pretty good. I and mean, there's a lot of young players that are pretty good. The future is ought to be bright. It's just, as we all know, that one position is everything. I mean, it's everything. And if that one position is mediocre, then your team's mediocre. I don't care how good your, everything is around you. So, yeah. anyway, it's it's skewed by two things. By Andrew Luck's departure, just gutting him, and then by Jacoby, by the quarterback yeah. position being so huge. It's just, how do you gauge this team when one player means damn near everything? The Luck, season, the Luck decision feels like it wasn't even this season. feels like so long ago. It's I got people to think about that. Yeah, people on Twitter saying he's coming back. There's always going to be that element of people that wonder if I got one guy on Twitter. He's going to do an about face. I mean, saying he's coming back, and then someone responded to that by saying, I'm hearing this more and more from people I respect. You can respect your next door neighbor. <laughs> you can respect your brother in law. You can respect them. But if you're respecting their insider Colts football knowledge, you're an idiot. If he was the football obsessed, football is my identity guy that Peyton Manning was then I would buy into, okay, he's going to leave the door open. I'm not going to pretend to be like close personal friends or confidants with, with Andrew Luck or anything like that, but he doesn't strike me, Greg, as a guy that would make this decision unless it was final. You know, I I never shut the door completely to things because there's always a chance. There's always that 1% chance. So I'll leave that 1% chance out there, but I would be still, even to this day, really, really surprised if Andrew Luck came back and played football again one thing i will say about about luck is normally i would say something as big as that like we're not going to get blindsided by that it's going to start leaking out and we're mm-hmm. going to hear stuff and so if we're not hearing anything at all really then there's nothing to hear but you look back at the way he retired there was nothing to hear and then he just retired yeah so i'm not saying he's coming back at all but the fact that there's crickets doesn't necessarily sway me as because normally I'd say crickets. There's nothing there. There could be nothing there until there's a press conference. Who the hell knows? And this whole thing with you know kind of taking it back to Brissett, it's part of the reason. Even though I've been critical of him, I feel bad for him because there was that subset of people that was like, and this is a very small minority of people that was like, oh well, they're just as good with Brissett. Or even there were some people that said they're even better with Brissett because. He doesn't have to be Superman or he doesn't make the big mistakes. And that stuff was always ridiculous, and it even looks more laughably ridiculous now. But it, it I think, put an impossible burden on Brissett. He was never going to be Andrew Luck, and if that was your expectation, that was a really unfair standard to try to hold him to. Yeah, never going to be Luck or Peyton Manning. The people no. around here have been spoiled. I mean, spoiled, and mm. I, so I'm not trying to insult listeners, but you've been spoiled, and when you get a mediocre quarterback or a top-20 quarterback – well, welcome to the rest of the NFL, right? Yeah, but I don't blame them for striving for something better. You know, it's the same people that kind of buck back and well, who else are you going to get? Who else are you going to get is always the, the worst counter-argument because who else are you going to get is how you end up with Chuck Pagano for six seasons. Right. Because remember, that was the, oh, yeah. well, who's the alternative? I don't know. Kyle Shanahan's doing pretty well. Frank Reich's doing pretty well. I don't know. How about nails into the skull? That's an alternative, yeah. too. I mean, Mike Vrabel is doing pretty well in Tennessee with the, the way that they've kind of turned things around. Um, let's switch gears a little bit. There's a lot that I want to get to, um, including some college hoops tonight, because Indiana actually plays a non-scrimmage tonight. They play somebody with a pulse. <laughs> right, I'll be there. Um, you were at the bucket game? Yes. Intense, a nice chapter of the rivalry, I think, written between Indiana and Purdue, double overtime. Um, and I think we talked about it last week, and Greg, you said it best. This season would have been a success regardless, but it wouldn't have felt like a special breakthrough season had you lost to your most hated rival during a down, injured year. Am I right? They needed that win. Yeah. They needed that win, and they got that win, and Purdue made it interesting. My biggest takeaway, because I can't – 
you know, IU won, and I'm, I'm always all about, I try to be about, and I'm going to fail a lot, but I try to be about get the tone right from whatever story I'm at. Like, get the tone. When I was at CBS, I had the tone wrong all the time. I'd go watch a team win, and I'd rip them because I didn't like something I saw, but, but they won. So IU won, but the tone was not, look at IU, they're great. You know, they, they choked up a big lead, mm-hmm. went to double overtime against a team, as you say, you, that, I mean, more hurt than they are, a lot more hurt than they are. So I couldn't just say, wow, IU's great. But what I could say and mean was, man, football in our state looks pretty good. And not just today because they played a fun game, but you look at the rosters of both teams. Young, young I mean, multiple quarterbacks at both teams, young, uh, multiple running backs at IU, and Purdue's got all that skill, that young skill, and Braun keeps recruiting, and Karlaftis is a monster on the defensive end. And Anyway, a bunch of young guys. These, I, I, I'm not old enough to know, but I can't believe – Maybe in the late 60s, but otherwise, I can't believe there's been a time in our state where IU and Purdue have both looked this good going forward. I realize Purdue's 4-8, and eight, they don't look good right now. But going into 2020, have we ever had a spot where both state teams looked like you've got to be in a bowl game? Yeah. You're both pretty good. I think Purdue's going to have a huge bounce back here in 2020. They, if, if their guys huge. are healthy. Yeah. And I wonder if Sindelar are going to six year. Probably not, but it really doesn't matter. Plummer showed he can play. Heck, Brahm has shown – give him anybody. Yeah. I mean, you can play quarterback They make it work. He had three different guys throw for 400 yards this year, which is insane. It's almost like, I should maybe write this someday, he's almost like the new Steve Spurrier, Mm. just in that he's a quarterback whisperer. Spurrier would take guys that no one's ever heard of. I covered Spurrier at Florida. There's a guy, Shane Matthews. Yeah, I remember that name. Wow. He was their seventh string quarterback. Yeah. And anyway, I mean, Spurrier would take chicken squat. And there was a reason why all these Duke guys broke all these ACC records when Spurrier was there. Dave Brown and a few more. And didn't make it in the NFL because they weren't any good. Mm-hmm. But Spurrier made them good. And I'm not saying Brahms Spurrier. Spurrier's a genius. Brahms not a genius. Not yet, anyway. But he's kind of like a quarterback whisperer. And I thought what was cool about that, you mentioned you know, the young talent. A lot of it was Indiana talent. Karloftis is, well, I mean, he came over here but went to, and played high school football here. Samson James from Avon, just a freshman, had a huge game. David Bell's just a freaking cheat code. He's ridiculous. Right. Imagine if he had a fully healthy season, what he would He still went over 1,000 yards. So, you know, there was a lot of, I think, Indiana flavor in the game. And, um, and I love the back and forth. Look, it wasn't the, the prettiest painting. You know, there were a lot of mistakes and missed kicks and fumbles and whatever else, but um, I thought it was – what you ask for in those games is to have intense moments, and you had intense, dramatic moments, I thought, in that game. And you can have a shootout like that, and it'd be a bad a bad shootout because the, neither team can play defense, mm-hmm. and so, of course, they're both going to score. This was – I'm not saying their defenses are great, but there was a lot of offensive skill in that field yeah. on both sides of the ball. And Purdue may have found something in that big running back, Horvath. Yeah. Where's he been? Yeah. Good question. I mean, they've they've had to do kind of committee, but because of injuries and ineffectiveness and the whole deal. And why does every school in the bucket game always have a kid named Xander? Yeah, it's weird. Isn't it weird? Is that like a new? Uh, well, I shouldn't say new. Is that, that a new Peyton? That, Is that a new Peyton? That would have been a popular name. What late nineties, early two thousands? Given these kids' age, because Xander Diamant from right. IU quarterback, he would have been born in what like ninety seven, ninety eight, something like that. Xander sounds like some yeah. lord from from some planet. It does some sound pretty sweet. Interstellar, though. you know, I don't know, so a bunch of science fiction. You, you fiction care where they end up? up? Nashville, New York, Indiana, as far as a bowl is nah, concerned, you, I whatever. Yeah. I, I mean, the, they're, they're, they've won eight. They might win nine. Where they, I mean, I realize where they end up matters to people who want to drive there. Mm-hmm. But to me, no. Unless my bosses tell me I'm going, and then I care greatly where they end up. But uh, I don't know that I'm going because the Colts and the pay. Yeah, uh, who knows? 
I went to New York with my wife. My parents were still in Connecticut for the pinstripe bowl when they played Duke and lost in overtime, a really fun shootout game. That was a game where there was no defense. It was 40, 48, 45 or something. And it was a, it was a really cool atmosphere to be in the city and, and Indiana's really recruits out there, New York, New Jersey, the tri-state area. Bowl games, though, they're such aberrations. Bowl games, you're right. are, they're really not – They're really, exhibitions. You're not seeing it's, – it's a shame that the college football playoff – is decided when it's decided mm-hmm. because the teams are who they are right now and then you take six weeks off or in indiana's case for bowl three or four weeks off and you're not who you are anymore you you you're just different you yeah just, I mean, you don't have the momentum you don't have the timing the rhythm is just it's a really bad setup but i get why they do it it's just a bad setup so much of it depends on which team is more interested in winning the game because right. like look at alabama alabama's season is a failure they're 10 and 2 but their season's a failure so are they going to be motivated to go out there and play in the Orange Bowl or wherever the hell they're going to go, whereas Virginia's in the Orange Bowl and they're like, hell yeah, yeah Orange right. Bowl, sweet, let's go. Right, and that's why you have all these weird, weird upsets. Wow, we took down a so yeah, you yeah. took them down because they didn't want to be there. Yeah, I remember Utah beating Alabama in one of those games like ten years ago, and it was you know the biggest moment in Utah football history. And Alabama was like, we don't even want to be here. Hello, Urban Meyer. I was hoping that was the case last year with Auburn and Purdue, and then Auburn, oh. Auburn decided that they wanted to be there after all. Yeah. yeah, won't relive that game. Uh, you had a really busy weekend. You were just churning out column like every hour, uh, including crazy. the state finals. What were your takeaways from what you saw Friday and Saturday down at Lucas Oil Stadium? Well, Charlie Spiegel, uh, you know, for, for a guy that's slow, he sure does move. I mean, he 80 yards on a touchdown. He needs to be somewhere pretty good. I, I don't know what he'll be in college. but So I saw New Pal. Kyle Ralph, he's 88 and 4 at New Pal. 88 and 4. It's, it's stupid. Yeah. He has three state championships and four losses. Mm. Period. That's that's nuts. That's yeah. nuts. Then Center Grove, let me tell you something. Taven Jackson, Trace Jackson Davis's brother, he's only a sophomore, and he he's good in basketball. As a freshman last year, he won a game at the buzzer. I forget against who, but he had a three-pointer at the late. And, I mean, he's good enough to play for a big school as a freshman. So he's got a, a future in basketball if he wants it. But my goodness, as I told him after the game, I literally walked up to him because he, you know, he's upset they lost. I walked up to him and you know, smacked him on the on the sternum through his pads and said, "You you know, you stay humble, but you've got Mr. Football written all over you in two years." I mean, he's that good. Yeah. I mean, and and which is what you'd expect. I mean, look at the genes. Their their dad is a former Pacer. Yep. Trace is Mr. Basketball. Does some great genes, and Taven's got him. And then Carson Steele, who you wrote on as well, kind of a a, a story of perseverance for him. How about this? He missed the first five or six weeks with a hamstring breaks his foot the week before he's going to come back and so he misses another month or so has surgery has a screw put in there plays two games at about half speed breaks his hand nobody knows it i'm up there sitting with his dad to watch the game and to talk about his son what he you know what has he gone through to play in this game and his dad goes well he's got a broken foot right now and a broken hand i'm like he has a what he has he has what because no one knew about the broken hand yeah crazy and Center Grove has a little bit of a uh, a history with guys like that. Do you remember a kid, they had a kid named Titus McCoy who played oh, running love- back who was super just – he was a little bowling ball of a kid, and I think he went to Indiana State, ended up at ISU, and just the, the toughness in that program. I'm I'm actually sort of I, – I think friends of the family. I, mm-hmm. I, I text with those guys, and I, Scott McCoy's dad was on the sideline for the game, and I spent some time talking to Scott during the game. So, yeah, I'm very familiar with Titus McCoy. One more story from the state championships. I've got it'll be online a couple days in Sunday's paper. Really excited about this story. When I got hired here five years ago, I got an email almost right away from a reader saying there's a kid at St. Pius X Catholic School, CYO. Mm-hmm. He's in like sixth grade. He's the best running back I've ever seen. 
one year he literally had thirty touchdowns, no, twenty five touchdowns in thirty carries. Twenty five TDs was tackled five times. Wow. Yeah. And so the guy said, "You need to come out and see this kid play. He's gonna he's he's Shatard's future running back. Mm. He'll probably at Notre Dame someday." I'm like, "I'm gonna go out." I watched the kid play the next year, score a touchdown, a second touch. I go find his dad. Anyway, long story short, I'm giving away too much of it. That was five or six years ago. Whatever happened to that kid? There's a there's a whatever happened to story. Nice. Yeah. Did he end up at Shatard? There's a whatever okay. happened to story, <laughs> and it's and it's great. I mean, I'm telling you, I don't mean my story is great. His story is great we just talked about some really great things and i love these state finals friday and saturday in in high school sports not only in this city but for the state of indiana in general Uh, there's also occasionally some bad things that pop up including this messy southport situation which continues to be a story now what a week and a half later since you wrote that piece yeah go to my twitter page real if you see and see the exchange i had there's a guy in the story the guy that that brought this kid over from the congo the republic of the congo in africa brought this kid over and immediately started shopping them is a loaded word, and so I'm not necessarily saying saying it the way you could take it. But he started shopping the kid around to high schools, to AAU programs. He was asking AAU coaches. I know this. He was asking AAU coaches. You know, do you think do you think Zion and, and Romeo got paid? And if so, how how that happen? Mm. And I'm not saying they got paid. I'm saying this, this guy was asking. He wanted to know how does that stuff work? Yeah. And the kids end up at Southport, and I called him in the story. I called this handler. His name is Ray. I called him a leech in my story, and it ran, I don't know, Thanksgiving morning, I think, in the paper. Well, Ray calls me that night. I assume he's read the story. He hasn't. He calls me to tell me his side, and, and I'm talking to him for about 15 minutes. And it's Thanksgiving night. I only answered the phone because I didn't recognize the number. He called twice. Like, well, it must be important. Let me get it. It's like 930. So we talked. He, he thought he had a friend in me. He texted me the next day, and I ignored it. He texted me two days later, and I said to him, listen, I'm not really – he wanted me to call him. I'm not a phone call guy. I'm a text guy. If you got something more to say, text me. And he yeah. goes, he wouldn't. Anyway – he finally read the story apparently yesterday. Yesterday, because he sends me a text last night saying, "You called me a leech. <laughs> I thought you wanted to get to the truth." And I said, "That is the truth." <laughs> you know, meaning you are a leech. Mm. Anyway, he and I went back and forth, and I ended up telling him to lose my number, and I actually shut him down. What do you? you I blocked his number. Okay. Like I don't want to. He's a source in the story, but I see these things as a dad more than anything else. And when I see a kid used, and that poor kid at, at Center Grove has been used. Um, now he might have a better life for it someday. But that kid was he wasn't brought over here to make him have a better life. He was brought over here to make his the leech have a better life. And I, I think those leeches I think convince themselves, Greg, that they're doing this great thing. Because what do you mean I'm a leech? I took him from the Congo and brought him to the States. Well, yeah, you did that to put money in your pocket. Yeah, well the guy is I, I think these guys convince themselves that they're like philanthropic or something by doing this and in reality they're out to get theirs. To get this kid eligible at Southport this year, he literally proposed a uh, a scenario where Southport would break federal law, with involving a, a check, a false, a false check, a fake wow. check. I mean, literally, and, and Southport will say this on the record. He tried mm. to make us break federal law to get this kid eligible, and then they call him a felon. And so when Ray calls, and they didn't say what it was. Mm. So when Ray calls me the night of Thanksgiving, I finally said, "Listen, they they called you a felon today or yesterday. If you don't mind me asking, what was the felony?" He goes, uh, "He goes, I'm a different man, but it, it was fraud." Like, I, you know what? You're you're not so different. No. You can check that out, IndyStar.com slash sports. Uh, let's get a couple of parting thoughts on uh, basketball-wise. Butler back in the top 25, first time under Laval Jordan, undefeated. They've got a, an interesting game against Ole Miss tonight. We're taping this right now on Tuesday afternoon. And Indiana, finally a test for IU. They're undefeated, but really they didn't. I mean, Louisiana Tech might be a tournament team, but come on, it's Louisiana Tech. If that's the best team that you played, then that 
tells you all you need to know about your schedule thus far. So what are you looking for from the Hoosiers tonight? Well, about Butler, way to go with Butler, yeah. way to go. And I'm so happy for Laval Jordan. I, I want him to succeed here. I mean, he's Me too. A lo- right, he's a local yeah. guy, Butler beloved and all that. And it, the first couple of years were a little bit rough and the recruiting wasn't great. Well, he's you know, funny how this works, but he's picking it up in the recruiting trail and we're, we're seeing the results. IU, Trace Jackson Davis has not played a guy. He's been Big Ten Freshman of the Week two weeks in a row mm-hmm. or at least two weeks for sure. And he's been awesome. And I'm not saying you can't do this. We're about to find out against Florida State. Well, are, can you do this against NBA athletes? FSU, I'm not sure they have an NBA big man, but I, I saw them last year in the tournament, and they're bringing a lot of those guys back. They have NBA bodies. Yeah. Not skill necessarily, but NBA body, one through five NBA bodies. IU hadn't played that. So we will learn a lot about Trace Jackson Davis tonight and the whole IU team. And FSU coming off a win over Purdue in overtime, ironically enough, and uh, into the top 20. And they've got a couple of nice wins. They beat a good Florida team earlier this year um one last thing greg and you mentioned being hired at the star five years ago um i saw the news about ronnie ramos deciding to step away and i know many of the people in that room matt glenness zach osterman yourself were brought on here during ronnie's regime so i know he's still got a couple of weeks to go he's not dying or anything but i didn't know if there was anything that you wanted to share about um you know a personal story with ronnie and and your connection to bring you here to indianapolis well ronnie and i go back longer than than anybody He, he was at miami herald he was a young, up-and-coming assistant sports editor in 1995 when I interviewed for a job with Miami Herald and got it. So I've known Ronnie since 95. Right. Yeah. I've known him since 95. Wow. So when, when he was in charge of the star in 2014 when Kravitz left, and I'm telling myself when I see the news, I, I tell myself, I hope the star calls me, which is weird for me because I don't like change. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't like change. I mean, that, when I thought, I hope the star calls me, I almost got whiplash looking around like, who put that idea in your head because that's not how you think. Well, Ronnie emailed me like an hour later. Hey, can we talk? And I'm like, I know what this is. Um, so anyway, Ronnie and I go way back. He didn't really bring me to the Herald. Someone else did, but he was there. But he brought me here. You know, I wasn't going to come here without Ronnie. I mean, I wasn't going to even apply. I wasn't going to think about it. Ronnie knew me and brought me here. And this is the best career decision of my life and the life where I've made a bunch of moves. This is home. So I'm real grateful. Yeah, and he's a great dude. I, I've worked with him in uh, two different capacities, I guess. This whole deal, us coming together to do this podcast, had to get Ronnie's stamp of approval. He's the executive editor. And years ago, uh, I did something called Holding Court with um, Candace Buckner when she was the Pacers beat writer, right. and Lara Overton, which was fun. It was like a video show, and that's when Ronnie, I think, first took over around 2014, and we broke bread a couple of times, and... Um, Really good dude, and who I'm sure is going to do great things with. He's a visionary. The he's a guy. That, yeah. yeah, I mean, he's a visionary who's a journalism. I mean, is in his blood, but he also sees the bigger picture. So he will. We've not heard the last from Ronnie. I Ramos. mean, the award-winning stuff, all your stuff, uh, Zach Kiefer. You know, who I know is not here anymore. Um, you know what Matt's done as sports editor. A, a lot of those people and a lot of that team was built by Ronnie. Oh, real quick, Kiefer's great. As we all know, he he's the one that saw how great Kiefer was. Yeah. Kiefer was a was just answering phones here. And, and like writing up short little stories about the high school game that he took a phone call on. Ronnie was reading that going, I don't know who you are, but you can write. And next thing you know, Zach's you know, one of the best in the country. Yeah, the rest is history. Check out all of Greg's columns online, IndyStar.com slash sports. He's important enough to have his own tab. You can also <laughs> hear me afternoons, Fox Sports 1260. Also on the iHeartRadio app, just search Quarry and Schultz. Greg, we'll see you next week, man. I prefer Diet Pepsi to tab, but whatever. <laughs>